Hello and welcome. This is the AI and L&D Insights podcast, where we look at learning and development, as well as performance support, meeting cutting-edge artificial intelligence. This is the place where we generally cut through the buzz, explore innovations, discuss their potential, and unmask limitations. And that's exactly what Josh Cavalier, our guest today, has been doing for many years now. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, Marcus. Good to be here. And Josh, many will know you from your social media presence and from the work you do and from your masterclasses, but give us a little bit of an overview about what it is you're doing and how you got there. Well, yeah, just for some context, I have been in learning development for 29 years. I started out as an art director for an e-learning firm based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's really where I cut my teeth way back in the CD-ROM days. And I was extremely lucky because the guy I worked for, Dick Hanshaw, was an amazing instructional designer. And I was able to get cross-trained and learn the craft way back when, even take performance consulting training way back in the 90s, I thought it was incredibly boring and I had no idea, As now this is an art director, I had no idea the connection to the business and how that would work, but little did I know that later on in my career that would pay, pay off huge in understanding uh, how important it is to even determine if training is even required or if there is something else happening on the, on the business side that needs to be addressed. After that experience, I went ahead and formed Lodestone, uh, which was one of the top Adobe training providers in the United States, and ran that for 22 years. Decided to jump back into corporate, and I was an individual contributor, a learning architect for American Tire Distributors. Great experience. Uh, it was wonderful because I was able to work with both communications and change management on the implementation of new systems and to actually see the maturation process of all those departments working together, especially around instructional marketing and activation, which is incredibly important. Did that until May because this thing called ChatGPT came about in November and I got my hands <laughs> on it the first week in December. My life changed when I first prompted learning objectives because I was goofing around with it. And I was the same thing as everybody else doing limericks and poems and goofiness. But then I got serious about it. And early on in my career, I was always about process. And how do you take performance consulting and integrate it into at the time Addy, which when I thought about it, it we were really doing elements of SAM. We're really doing some iterative type processes. But for me, when I was first introduced to Chad GPT and I ran that prompt to do learning objectives, well, I was like, well, all right, well, let's run it through the workflow. And from learning objectives, it was to go ahead and do a course outline. And from the course outline, went ahead and did a video script. And then from the video script, went ahead and created a storyboard. And from that moment on, my life changed because Having been in the industry for so long, I'm extremely pragmatic when it comes to technology. I did not jump on Google Glass. I did not jump on VR way back in the late 90s because I saw the technical challenges and the cost and you know all these barriers to success. 
But when I saw ChatGPT and I tried it and I started doing outputs, I inherently knew that this was different, that this was an inflection point, much in the same way that the internet, the personal computer, the mobile phone, this was another inflection point. And I jumped in to the deep end of the pool. And here I am, you know, I am out there trying to help people navigate this technology and be realistic about the way that it shows up in L&D, in HR departments. And again, that, that whole pragmatic look into the tech and make sure that it's implemented properly. And that, you know, it's this balance between being enamored about the possibilities, but being practical about the way that it shows up. And so, you know, through consulting and workshops and a master course online and, you know, YouTube channel and all these different avenues, uh, try to beat the drum and show a little bit of the magic that's possible. And also, uh, you know, the practicality of making sure that you have your T's crossed and your I's dotted um, before you use this tech. The democratization has really been the inflection point, right? Once everyone can touch it, can play with it, that was what happened with the internet. That was what happened when the, when the computer came along and everyone started having one in their home. That's when it starts changing everything. And this, is, this has been a, such a wild ride since ChatGPT first came out and people started logging in and playing with it. And yeah, you, you said it right. You try to goof around with it. You come up with some silly stuff. Humans also always love trying to break things. So I, I also tried immediately to see if I can get it to hiccup and maybe, maybe put some rude things in there as well. I'm not going to quote them here, but that's, that's human nature, right? You have to play with these things, but that, that is the fascinating bit. And for me, that's really interesting, your position in helping people along the way. So I'm imagining the people that you're supporting, they have played with it. They've probably gone a little bit deeper than playing with it. They're thinking about applying it to their role, to their jobs, how it can improve their workflow. So where do these people tend to be? What is it they're looking for? What are, what are the biggest questions they're asking right now? I think what's possible. And, you know, the, the first questions were, you know, a lot of this is out of fear. And when you get into a tech hype cycle, there is the fear factor always. It, it's mm. always been there. With all those technologies that I mentioned, people were fearful of the computer. There's computer phobia. They're fearful of mobile phones. They're fearful of the internet. And there's always nefarious characters that will take advantage of any technology. You know, so there, there's fear. People wanted to understand initially out of the gate, well, is this going to take my job? And I tell them it's not. It, it will not take your job. It will change it radically in some instances. But I don't believe it's going to take your job. And for those individuals who are proactive when it comes to their own personal education and their tech savvy, they're the ones signing up for my course. They're the ones that are in the workshops. They're, you know, taking part, going to conferences and showing up, sitting in the front row, soaking it all in. And I think that's part of their being which is great. I, I absolutely love that. 
My concern are for professionals that are in this industry who are on the sidelines still. This is the, you know, again, that we, we've talked about inflection point and this technology is a fundamental technology that will radically change the way that we show up as L&D practitioners. I believe everyone needs to figure out where do they sit with that? Are they good with utilizing AI or are they going to tap out? Like, um, all right, well, it's been a good ride. I think I'm going to go ahead and find another profession or whatever the case may be. Because from my perspective, everything is going to be impacted in the way that we support the business with AI. And I always, you know, and it's, it's funny and it's not like, well, do you, you know, do you think everything's going to be automated? I don't think so. I, I see where AI kind of sits in the center and you have, as opposed to like a human centric, I see human surrounded, which is you start with human, you have AI in the middle, but you end with human. You have human surrounded design, right? And I believe that's going to be incredibly important to understand that even as we progress and you have like this collapse of time that's required to create media, someone's got to police the police. Like someone still needs to check that content even yeah. after AI bot or intelligent agent or automated tool or whatever the case may be creates that content. It still needs to be vetted out. Getting back to that fear and the job and all that, it's going to change. It, it will change. And so... Yeah, those are the people, those individuals I see showing up are the ones that are, uh, again, trying to understand. And then those are very tech forward. And I really like that image that you painted there of the, the human, so to speak, on both sides, because very often we look at the first half of that. We look at AI being the accelerator, AI being the co-pilot. It's all about the first human interacting with it. But then... If we're developing a product, if we're developing a service, you're absolutely right. There's the second part of the equation where the human comes back in and AI just sits in the middle. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. And um, it creates a slightly different feeling for, will it take my job as well? Because the, the job is just the left-hand side. And so I really like that as an image. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that away if I may. I've seen your great posts online where you suggest prompting ideas, where you suggest the plugins that one can use for chat GPTs. Does a lot of the work still go around the prompt side of things? Is, is that where the heavy lifting is still taking place? Is it around the prompt engineering, what we've, what we've started calling it? It's a great question. Yeah, I don't think so. It's, well, it's, this is so difficult because you have... There's so much radical change that's happening. And I, now I personally believe prompt engineering is incredibly important. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have built a master class around prompt engineering if I didn't believe it was important. We can get into that later on. But the reason why I hesitated on that is because everything starts with a strategy. And I believe at this moment, it's incredibly difficult to put together strategies 
when you don't know how AI is going to show up for your organization. Some companies don't even have AI policies and governance in place yet. We don't know what in our tech stack, what AI tools are going to show up. And it's so it's, it's hard to have a conversation around prompts because prompts essentially are tactics, right? Yeah. You know, prompts are very laser sharp problem solving moments that you have with, with chat GPT or Bard or Claude or whatever. I mean, you, you can have a strategy, a prompt strategy, but I'm talking like larger, larger implementation of AI and how AI shows up. And that, that's very cloudy. Even as we march into 2024, there's new budgets, there's new considerations regards to your tech stack, whether it's Microsoft or Google, uh, whatever the case may be. But even within those realms, we have yet to really see, you know, Microsoft Copilot 365 or Google Workspace Duet and the impact that it will have in these roles across the whole entire business. For many people, that's how AI is going to show up. Yeah. But, you know, once you begin to implement strategies across the organization, especially on the data analysis side, and I have, I have a, a feeling that as we march forward as an industry, as, as L&D professionals, we're going to become learning business analysts. And that's where, the, the, you know, taking in consideration AI being able to see performance happening in real time, looking at dashboards or data, and then making suggestions in regards to skills and skill taxonomies and all this. I still believe that somewhere along the way, you will still have to know prompt engineering. Like you'll still need to know like, hey, if I use this tool, if I go ahead and use Microsoft Copilot 365, generate a PowerPoint presentation via prompt, what am I getting back, right? Or should I jump into ChatGPT and utilize a PowerPoint plugin and use a custom prompt to get me 90% there where Copilot only got me 80 or 70? Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but as an AI practitioner and somebody who understands the craft, that's where you need to be. Like you need to be able to self-examine the outputs that are being created across either tools or, uh, you know, like a chat GPT. What's the stronger output? And I think that's where prompting comes into play. You know, whether it be mid-journey or uh, really any of these other tools or prompts are, you know, are, are in the forefront. Uh, I think when you get into deep prompt engineering, you begin to really see the power. And the one issue I do have, and I, I see this start to bubble up, is something called prompt as a service. You know, for instance, like Jasper.ai or some of these other platforms that are out there that are creating educational-based content, they're controlling the prompt. Like you're giving bits of information as far as like, what's the output? Who's the audience? And what are you trying to do from a learning standpoint? And then they're running a prompt in the background that's hooked into GPT-3.5 or 4, and you get a result. You don't like the result, hit generate again, but you don't have control. Now, I have seen hybrid applications to where it will 
have prompts in the background, but then you can use your own prompts in addition in that system. And I love that. Extremely powerful. So uh, I know that for myself, prompt engineering has come in extremely handy when I'm trying to expedite content creation processes. But again, those are all tactics. It's, it's going to be interesting to see as we march into 2024 how all these AI strategies play out and where prompt engineering sits. We're starting to understand these large language models better and better now. And there is still the myth around what's actually inside them because they're a vector space and we don't know exactly where information sits. We're starting to realize that information is clustered in a certain way and we're starting to understand that with a clever prompt, you can, you can get closer to the cluster that has the answer that you might be looking for or, or some version thereof. And, and we're also starting to understand hallucinations better. So from, from that point of view, I, I really agree. The, the hybrid model where there's prompts in the background that utilize some of that knowledge, but you as the user can be at the front end and together machine and human gets the personalized output. I think, I think that's a, a really interesting one to follow and key for now, because we're still quite some way away from any other AI technology linking up with the LLM, because we, we've still got the problem that we don't know where the information therein rests. So we, we can't formulate it or manipulate it in such a way as you would with a normal data set. Um, so that, that in itself is, is just a, a hugely interesting one to keep an, to keep an eye on the prompts, but you also mentioned budgets coming in and the, the larger products coming into organizations. Sometimes I feel that a lot of the current buzz is around individuals trying to stay on top of things. What's your view there? Where do we sit in the current development between what the employer and the bigger organizations are doing proactively and what individuals are seeking and doing proactively on the side. Right. So I have been involved with various organizations at various sizes and levels of risk, and it's across the board. You'll have individual companies that put their foot on the gas pedal because they see AI as a potential enabler for their competitors to get into their space. And they were on it immediately. When I went ahead and switched gears in May, I was busy out of the gate. There mm -hmm. was companies that wanted to have a webinar, trying to decide what their AI strategy was gonna be. A lot of them are education companies, right? So yeah. that, that's one aspect. And then from a large corporate aspect, incredibly difficult because you don't know how leadership, at least initially, wanted to see AI show up for the company. And you got to remember that nobody saw this coming. That includes Goldman Sachs, any VC companies, like nobody had any intelligence on this, like a few people did, right? If you're like, oh, I wonder why Microsoft invested $10 billion in the open AI. Well, they knew last year what was going to happen, right? So nobody had a clue. And as people go into 2024, odds are they're probably going to have an AI strategy and a budget wrapped around it. And so 
this is the reason why you see the Accentures and the Deloitte's spend so much money on ramping up their operations to go in and do full AI assessments within companies. And I think that's going to happen as we go into 2024. The larger companies will take the time to really figure out where AI sits within their whole entire organization from a business standpoint. So that the whole assessment phase needs to happen. And so you may not see training or any type of implementation happen until second half of 2024. And then you have small and medium-sized businesses that are just kind of hanging out there. Like their legal department doesn't even have a time to put together an AI policy. And I think it's there that you see a lot of individuals start to bubble up and try to figure out, hey, where does AI sit within my job, within my role? And is this important enough for me to take an active part in my education and, and jump in? And so, you know, you have companies that don't have an AI policy in place and individuals are asking, should I even be using this? How should I use it? When I use it at home, at the office, then you have companies that do have AI policies in place, but there's no guidance in regards to the tech stack of where AI is going to show up and can I use ChatGPT? Okay, I can use ChatGPT, but you know, here are the here are the guardrails. I can only use it a certain way. And so you you have various ways that AI is showing up within all these different companies. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the individual. Same thing happened with the internet. Same thing. You know, where you had this massive uptake of the technology of internet. And some people got on board with email and figuring out backend servers and doing financial transactions, right, with the internet. And we saw where those went, right? You know, there's huge opportunities right now. And so I, I think those for those individuals sitting out there on the sidelines who are just kind of in a wait and see mode, you'll be fine. I mean, you're, you'll, you'll be able to leverage AI and it'll show up a certain way for you in time, but you won't have the background or the literacy or the vocabulary when your peers who are starting right now are jumping in. You know, we're, we had a cool conversation about vector databases. Like, what the, what the heck does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. But people are out there like, I have no idea what a vector database is. Well, why is that important? You and I both know why it's important. But that's the start, is really having that foundational understanding of what a large language model is. What's the difference between AI, machine learning, deep learning, a large language model, a diffusion model? Those are key elements. It's the same, you know, it's the same thing with the internet and HTTP and JavaScript and CSS and HTML. Go back, right? Some people got after it and got on and understood those, those technologies. And these are the same individuals who today, you know, you look at somebody rocking out in Storyline and you're like, wow, look, they were able to go ahead and through JavaScript, tap into OpenAI's API using GPT-3.5 and do a sales chat, fully customizable, all AI driven with a custom response at the end, all in storyline. God, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I could do a scrollable map in storyline uh, and it needs, you have to do it through JavaScript and some math or, or game. 
do you want to be a slave to the tools? Like, do you want to be constrained and have these guardrails with the tools that come out, these AI tools? Or do you want to be one of those practitioners that you know what's under the hood, you know how to prompt engineer, and you're empowered? You, you have mm -hmm. options now. You're not going to be limited by whatever tools come out in the marketplace. You'll be able to go ahead and journey through that and get to a point where you feel confident in your skills to go ahead and have a tool set available to produce the content or solve the problems that you need to best serve your audience. And I, that's one of my fears is that we have so many people on the sidelines right now that in the wait and see mode that they're going to go ahead and wait for that these AI tools to come out that the vendors are going to have. Now, some of them are going to be spectacular and will be breathtaking. Others, not so much, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you don't have that background, you are just going to be um, in, a, in a position of... Um, where it's going to be difficult, where it's going to be, you're going to be limited in your options and your choices, and you won't feel that empowerment to leverage prompt engineering and, or, or jump into a different platform. You know, we, before we started recording, we we're talking about like, you know, chat GPT and there's other models that are coming out like Google Gemini and things like that. Well, what if the in industry pivots? Like, are you going to be ready to pivot? What if, oh, Heaven forbid, what if your company signs a contract for a tool and you're locked in for a year and that tool gets leapfrogged where somebody comes out with something new that has a 4X multiplier on productivity and creativity and you're locked in? Professionally, too, you're locked in where you have peers or other people that are just, you know, outputting these great things and you're now you're behind. I think that's something we're both seeing is the, there's several aspects here. One is the future of work has arrived faster than anyone thought. This is the future of work, right? Things are moving at a high pace and reskilling and upskilling. We have these words we use. Many, many are still possibly unsure about what they even mean. Well, they mean exactly this, right? They mean you, you should have played with the system at least where it's freely available and where you can dive in. You should have learned a little bit about what might be under the hood, what are the strengths, what are the limitations, what's just buzz, and you should know a little bit about these things. That way, you will stay front and center of the conversation in your organization. And in this revolution towards the future of work, for me, the individual plays a really key role here because the organization is an ocean liner that can't move very quickly. And, and so this discussion is an ongoing one because change, the pace of change is accelerating, right? So we're seeing a really new way of looking at how businesses evolve. And I think there's be, be a big drive going forward that it will be from the inside, that it will be from the individuals who keep the conversation going and yes, that has to align with the bigger strategy of the corporation. But yeah, will will anyone sign a two-year deal in the next half year? I I hope they don't. <laughs> that would be my personal advice. I would say, you know, tr try fast, fail fast, iterate and try again and stay on top of things and have quick, quick, good use cases that you can deploy. 
that over over two to three months turnaround will hopefully add value. You'll learn some really useful lessons. And already during that time, keep an eye on the tools market because there'll be a leapfrogger somewhere out there. It might not be with the use case that you're doing, but they'll be leapfrogging all the time now. The importance of the individual has just gone up drastically. And for those willing to put in the work and do that little bit of extra, there's a huge opportunity there. Yes, you could see it as a burden. Yes, there's anxiety and maybe even a little bit of fear, but there's a huge opportunity. Those who are willing to go, you don't have to go the extra mile. You, if you go two yards extra, you're already making a difference and you can be part of the conversation. How does, how does that sort of chime with the, the people that come to you for the masterclass, the people that want, mm -hmm. to, want to stay on top of things? How, how would you describe that? Am I, am I on the right track there? Yeah. And what's funny is that even though I've gone ahead and I've squarely focused this for learning and development professionals, I've had marketing professionals come in and take the course just because of the prompt engineering mm. techniques, chain of thought, tree of thought, prompt chains, prompt structures. These are constants that are out there. So we, those are individuals. I do have some groups, mm -hmm. but not as many as individuals. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't know how that was going to show up. Individuals are going to be leading the charge. And when I think about... You mentioned these slow-moving boats or ships. That's what's happening. Uh, it's not equal. You know, again, as I mentioned before, there are companies that have their foot on the gas pedal. But within organizations, you have individuals that have may have not been following the AI policy because... They're getting in the mid-journey and they're trying to figure out how does this fit into my workflow? How does this impact me and my craft? And I think for anybody that's truly professional and, and they see this as a lifelong learning journey, they're jumping in and, and jumping in hard and, and being critical of the platform as they should. It's not a panacea. There are so many cons to utilizing all these technologies, whether you want to get into the legal aspect with copyright issues, you want to get into hallucinations and bias and social issues and ethics and it goes on and on. But those will get worked out. Um, the social ethics bias, hallucinations, that'll get worked out, it's engineering issues. And, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, when those things get worked out, you have individuals that have taken the time to understand how these platforms work. They're going to be sitting pretty uh, because they're, they're going to have a keen eye on any new tech that comes out that's based on AI. Because, you know, as it is right now, we have a lot of vendors who are bolting on technology all over the place mostly built on top of a, uh, OpenAI's API, right? Yeah. A lot of 3.5, a lot of 4 bolt-on. Uh, and business models are going to get blown up 
daily. Uh, so it's, it's really difficult to look at that landscape unless you have that perspective. And this just happened today for me. I've been utilizing a couple different plug Chrome plugins to leverage YouTube's transcripts to get some insights in that content, right? Okay, so let's, let's say I'm actually a vendor that has those capabilities. There's a couple of them that are out there. Today, Google announced that Bard now has YouTube extensions that does all that. Right. And yeah. so, you know, you've had engineers, you've had money, you've had time to put these Chrome extensions out there. I hope you're going to build a business model when the next day that gets blown up. Yep. And my workflows have now changed, or at least I got to rethink my workflows mm -hmm. and how, to, how that shows up. And, and, you know, this goes back to the craft, Marcus, and understanding the craft. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why I, I latched on to AI so fast is I saw the impact across various aspects of our profession, all the way from the front end in regards to performance consulting and data analysis and the potential there, getting into transforming a learning needs analysis or a training analysis into potential outputs, uh, instructional marketing, and yeah. you know all the ways that AI can be applied to marketing, all the way through content creation and per performance support. And, and years ago, because I was on this video, this micro video kick like years ago, and I still am, I still love video. It'll show up again. <laughs> It'll just take some time. I thought that like AI was going to create custom videos for me based upon what I need in the moment. And I still think that's going to happen. But, you know, with video, like the way it's showing up now is, uh, you know, you create an image in mid-journey and then I'm going to make the mouth move and I'm going to go ahead and have like runway generate some kind of weird dream sequence. And, uh, you know, th there's some live type stuff that's happening, but you can only do 20 seconds at a time. That's not scalable. And I always thought it was going to be real clips that humans made, but, but put together in such a way that it's optimal for me and the way that I want to consume the information and what I need in the moment. And I believe that's where we're headed. So it was fascinating when Google announced that with Bard, you can go in and leverage a YouTube extension. Immediately, the, one of the first prompts I did was, can you list all the functions available for the YouTube extension? Yes. <laughs> and sure enough, it listed functionalities that are not yet available and one of the functions was a reconstitution of a YouTube video based upon your individual ask or your prompt. So they're planning on taking YouTube videos and condensing them down into a short or what you need. As opposed to you waiting through the video, AI is going to go ahead and produce a new output from you for that video just for that one moment in time that you need. Whether you got to repair your dryer or, yeah. you know, you want to go ahead and look at a, an hour-long lecture from Dr. Richard Mayer, right, about yeah. multi-cognitive 
load. And you, but I just need that one little, you don't have to go through, you don't have to look at the timestamps. It's going to go just make it for you. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. I'm, I'm in front of my washing machine. I've taken those four screws out, but I can't get the plate to come off. And imagine now you get the video that says, and here's how you get the plate off after you've taken the four screws out. This is, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I see, you know, it's funny when, when all these video vendors were coming out years ago, I was like, wow, that is, that's where it's at. Like their whole, there needs to be a whole strategy around making sure that all the meetings, um, all the videos, everything is in one central repository, one video content management system for the company as one, that's just one point though of data, but it's a really rich and important point of data because it's so, it's so flexible and there's so much information in there. Yeah, I, I think there's gonna be a lot of upside to, yeah. to that strategy, but it, we're, we're talking a few years out now uh, because it's there, that's difficult to scale because of processing power. So I think you're going to you're going to see um, a lot of movement in regards to the tech. Uh, obviously, with the the Googles and the Microsofts and OpenAI's, they're going to have all the the processing power. That's where you're really going to see it show up. But uh, and it's all you know, obviously, going to take take advantage of it from a cloud based standpoint mm, because yeah. companies and especially small and medium sized businesses they will not be able to do their own internal large language model and the time that it takes to actually do embeddings and you know exactly yeah, everybody thought that's where things were headed to be like out of the gate and everyone's like holy cow this is expensive this yeah. takes this takes months <laughs> exactly and the the price and the time frame right you think ai yeah. is fast but if you wanted to implement your own version that's that, that that's going to take you a little while ah right brilliant you know for me this has been this has been a, a fantastic conversation, and I think something we we keep ending with probably you as well in in your conversations is th th it's just this is the sign of the time is stay up to date. If you find yeah. out something new next week, that's great, and you found out something new, but there'll be something new the week after, and the week after, and the week after, and if you're and 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 if you're if you're in a spell of bad luck, it might be six things that came out that week and you have even more homework to do to try and stay on top of things. But that's right. how it's going to continue. Whether we're looking close future or what you've just beautifully explained, we go further into the future. We, we imagine what will come next thereafter. It will keep changing. And I think we can, we can say everyone who's doing their bit to try to keep relatively up to date, right? It's not, it's not perfect or nothing. There's a lot of nice in-between area where, where people will sit on the spectrum. If you're doing your bit to stay up to date, every, every little bit that you've done will keep you, will keep you on the front foot in this, in this journey of, of continuing change at a, at an accelerating pace, right? So it's, it's, it's not an uninteresting time and, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure many, many more masterclasses will follow as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, I. You know, just a final thought is, my hope would be that if you're sitting on the sidelines, 
just go get an OpenAI account. Just jump in the chat GPT. Try, just try to understand what's happening. Uh, and don't wait. Um, you, you can if you want, but if you really want to take advantage of what's possible as we march forward, give yourself the, the courtesy and the time and the room to ex expand your education in this area. Yeah. Is it, is, you know, to your point, we are in a massive time of velocity and you don't want to be left behind. Again, not, I'm not trying to like scare anybody or put any fear out there. It's just a huge opportunity. And, you know, again, as, as practitioners of L&D, the craft is going to change. It's just inherently going to change. And uh, now is the time to lay that foundation for yourself so that as these new tools and new ways of creating wonderful learning journeys come about, you'll be able to take full advantage of it um, and be pragmatic about it and not, not feel like, you know, the tail's wagging the dog. Like you, you are just caught up in a situation where you have no control and these tools are dictating outputs that you don't like and you don't know what options you have. I want to make sure that individuals have options. And that's yeah. what this is about, is making sure that you are expanding your horizons and you, you can see from a distance if there's going to be an issue or an opportunity. And that's and the, where we're at. And the beauty is that for many, this always sounds like some daunting, huge, really difficult university course that is very theoretical. Let me tell you, jump in, play around with it. It's, it's far more like a few new toys and you don't need a, a range of degrees or anything like that. You can jump in, you can play around. Everyone started by goofing around with it, creating a poem and trying to break the system. And no matter what tool comes out, I think that fun approach will, will always yield results. So it's once you've made the first step and you've taken the first tool and you've played around with it a little bit, I think um, people will realize it's not as theoretical and as daunting a journey as, as many think it is. And I think that's a, that's a really nice, nice note to, to end on. And of course, we, we know where we can find you, Josh. We've got your links all in the show notes, ready to jump in and follow you. If many people probably already are. But from my end, it's been a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed that. And thank you from, very much for coming on. Marcus, thank you so much. Uh, I think what I want to do now is go record a video of going into ChatGPT, writing a limerick about IPAs and posting it up on LinkedIn. Fantastic. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that one. <laughs> Just to make it approachable. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you. All right. Take care, Marcus. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.